just want the keys back to my vehicle They're just gonna tell you that I wasn't real And I just wanna tell you this is how I feel I know you feel, I know you feel it morning mission this is julian mark and you were listening to listen local um i today uh we have a very interesting show um we are we'll be talking about kind of one of the bigger uh scandals um in the city and um that will be the the mental health bed fiasco um at san francisco general hospital um the uh, department and the mayor, uh, the Department of Public Health and the mayor wanted to repurpose 41 beds at uh, San Francisco uh, General Hospital's uh, adult residential facility uh, from permanent housing for the severely mentally ill to temporary shelter beds for uh, homeless people with uh, um, mental mental health problems. Um, but the excuse was that some of the beds were uh, empty. Uh, a good percentage of the beds were empty, and that's why they would repurpose them. But that caused even more outcry. And I'm here with Joe Eskenazi. Joe, can you hear me? Absolutely. Uh, did I have that right? Uh, certainly nothing wrong yet. Um, so, you know, I wonder if you can just tell us what is um, exactly what's going on. I mean, what... what can, I don't think can... anybody knows what's going on, and that's why I think the increasing consensus uh, among our elected officials is that there needs to be some manner of audit uh, of this of this outfit. Uh, there need to be answers compelled and given. Um, what you said is true. Uh, the plan was put forward to change permanent housing into temporary shelter, which seems like, uh, you know, uh, being given a $20 bill and handing back three fives and a 10. Right, uh, right. So that, that doesn't seem like a great deal on the uh, on the face of it. And then the excuse given, as you mentioned, was, well, we're not using it, which brings up the, the question of how could you possibly not be using it? How is that an excuse? You know, there's definitely a need in this city for anyone who has eyes to see and ears to hear uh, and walks up and down the streets at any time. Right. Wait, uh, could, so that, yeah. Could, so that was odd. So yeah. that was odd. Yeah. So uh, could we just like back up, though? I mean, what is you know, why should anybody care about this? I mean, why is you know, why is this a dire situation? Why are supervisors, San Francisco supervisors calling for hearings? Why is this getting you know, why has so much ink been spilt over this situation? Well, if you think that uh, homelessness is a problem, which it is, and if you think that mental illness is a problem, which it is, and you think that mentally ill homeless people is, is a problem in this city, um, then here is a situation in which permanent housing for them uh, was 
not being used and as a result of it uh, is up on the chopping block to be made into temporary shelter. Uh, it's a crisis. It's a crisis of so many things. I mean, it, I mean, San Francisco has a lot of on the nose developments, but everything seems to come back to land use or homelessness or, or right. inequality. And and there's a lot of it here. Uh, so, I mean, the excuse of we weren't using it is 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 bewildering. Right. And uh, when asked why. Uh, the you know, and I got this in writing because I, among other reporters, asked why uh, I was told that they had staffing shortages and they hadn't been able to hire. And you know, it's since come to light that we're talking about a dozen odd positions, and that you know that it, it it really is very hard to quantify how hard they've tried to fill those positions. And you know, I I don't know that that's a really particularly good excuse. So then the other excuse we got, more than a dozen people who work there told me on the record that they were informed by management that they were, quote, on probation and forbidden by the state from taking in new patients. Because, Even though perhaps that, you know, they, they mm-hmm. you know, the, st- the staff, the uh, extant staff at hand would be able to take more patients, would be able yeah, to handle they, more They patients. were told we are on probation and we cannot take new patients, right. as, in, as in somebody is making us not do it. But it turns out that's not true. That was that was that was not the truth. Yes. And, you know, and the state licensing board itself last week visited uh, San Francisco's facility and told them this is not the case, you know, and they've written to me that they've cleared up the quote misunderstanding. But that's very generous to say that there was a misunderstanding. If the upper management there thought they were on probation and weren't, that brings up all kinds of questions. It seems pretty clear that this was a mistruth meant to placate the staff. Because in the Chronicle, uh, I believe in print today and on the Internet yesterday, uh, upper management says the reason they haven't been taking new patients is because the staff is terrible and they can't, you know, they, they don't feel safe bringing in new patients, which is an incredible thing to say. Because why are you leaving patients there at all if the staff is so incompetent? And why are you suddenly curtailing bringing in new patients if there were a series of citations between 2015 and 2018? And certainly the most serious citation was when a woman died at, a, at, at the residential care for the elderly. But that's a different facility. <laughs> so uh, this just doesn't make much sense at all. And certainly, again, for a manager to claim that staff is out of control and things have gotten so bad that we can't do the very job that we exist to do, boarding and caring for patients, is a management crisis. So, so Joe Eskenazi, why, um, you know, um, why is there have there been so many untruths? Why have you know what has compelled management to lie? What has you know why is there why is there so much seeming subterfuge around around this um, uh, around these beds? I can't tell you any particular singular reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was described to me is that you know these citations caused pressure, and they felt the way to to to, to you know have less pressure was to just not let people in. I don't know that to be true. Mm. I can't explain to you. At some point, it's interesting and compelling. You want to know why they did this. But but the more pertinent thing for the city is to make them stop. And certainly, I think, to to have accountability for anyone who thought this was the right mm. thing to do. Even even if, and this is a very big if, even if staff is is terrible, and even if staff can't be trusted to, uh, to boil an egg, uh, who hired that staff? Who left them there? Who put them there? Right. You know? Um, and then secondly, at what point was it considered acceptable to not admit mentally ill, likely homeless people in the midst of a crisis? And when this is what they do, you know, if, if, if we work in newspapers, Julian, if, if my staff was terrible, the staff that I edit, the staff that I, you know, have a hand in hiring. And uh, and I said, we can't put out a newspaper anymore. 
It's like, well, what do I need you for, editor? You're not putting out a newspaper, and whose fault is this? You know? So they were not bringing in people to board and care for. That is unacceptable. That now, is unacceptable on its face. And at some point, you know, it, it's, it's unacceptable that, that steps weren't taken to prevent this outcome, the worst possible outcome not doing the only job that they're hired to do. Now, is it possible that, you know, with a, you know, such a complicated system with the Department of Public Health and, um, you know, the homeless coordination that that there were, you know, and and with staffing perhaps at the Department of Public Health that, you know, there are, you know, uh, numerous uh, perhaps insurmountable bureaucratic loopholes to getting the beds filled and to getting, no, you know, enough not. staff? No, they're not. Um, I, I, I have great, greater and greater difficulty buying the, uh, the hiring excuse because it seems that they weren't putting forth uh, even a strong effort, let alone an emergency effort, to fill those beds. And also, there's not a tremendous amount of people that would need to be hired. We're talking about like a dozen people. You right. know? Um, there's, there's never more than three or four people on any floor at any one time. You're talking about uh, a dozen odd people to make up the shortages, and you're talking about a facility that might have 60 people working for it at any time. A lot of the hires are uh, certified nursing assistants. That's who they say they need. I'm not denigrating a certified nursing assistant, but this is not like hiring an astronaut. This is a position that requires a high school education and then certification through programming and uh, less than a year of work in the field. This, now, is, this is a position that there are many people who are ready and willing to do, especially for the city, which is a generous employer. Exactly. And, and it sounds like a lot of the folks that you have spoken to work with the union and, and do have an interest in and, and, you know, would have an interest in sort of helping people get in there or, you know, it, it shouldn't be a problem for the Department it, of Public should, Health. It shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. Is, that is a that is a that is a position that that there is a surfeit of of qualified candidates, other candidates for other higher level positions. You have to get onto a list in order to be hired by the city. And the city then just has to hire from the master list once it puts in a requisition. It's not clear to me that was ever done. So, you know, this excuse doesn't seem to be valid or even very well thought out. Now, um, you know, do we know how long these, these beds have, have been empty? Yes, there have been no new admits to the adult residential facility on the ground floor since September of 2018. And there have been no new admits to the residential care for the elderly facility on the second floor since April of 2019. So th they haven't been adding people, but it, it, I mean, it does sound like these beds could have been empty for, or, you know, that they, they, the, it could have, uh, the occupancy could have kept been uh, kept low for, for quite some time, longer than, than just a year. They've never run at the capacity of 55 beds, but they've gotten up to 48 or so. You know, okay. I mean, it's, it's, okay. There could be more. And, and certainly, you know, we've always been doing it badly is not an acceptable excuse. Uh, we have a chance now to go in and, and look at these things. I mean, do, uh, we, do we know the last time it was, it was, filled, to, it was filled to 48 beds? Uh, I would say within five years. I okay. Mean, that, that's the understanding I have from talking to staff. And certainly it was communicated to them by management that the idea was to staff up and bring and fill the beds within even just a couple of years ago. So there have been, there's, you know, been uh, more or less a bevy, a bevy of, um, of efforts by the San Francisco Board of Supervisors to uh, remedy this issue. Could you uh, perhaps, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, what those are and who is kind of uh, leading the charge uh, with, uh, uh, with pushing back against the Department of Public Health? Yeah, uh, Supervisor Raphael Mandelman uh, has a, uh, I'm, I'm grossly simplifying the legislation, but essentially it says you are going to transfer these, you're going to get these beds filled and you're not going to give them up and you have a two-year deadline. And Supervisor Hillary Ronan has similar legislation with, with you know, with a couple more um, 
uh, cudgels uh, to, to get this going, but also doesn't have a two-year deadline. It's a just ASAP. And, um, yeah. And so what she, do you... she sees it as a tomorrow problem, and Raphael doesn't. I think, I think while there is irritation between those camps, I think that they do want the same thing. They don't want these beds lost, and they want them to be housing rather than shelter. Right. And I think it's very hard to argue against that. The argument that they are underutilized and therefore using them as shelter would be better than nothing is, uh, for lack of a better word, a loser's argument. You know, if I had a a perfectly functioning bus and I allowed it to go to hell and then it's like, well, I'm not able to drive it. I'm going to make it into a chicken coop. Well, that's better than nothing. right? But it certainly begs the question of, like, why did you neglect this perfectly functional bus, which is meant for something else and meant for something far more important? And those 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 answers will be question uh, you know will be will may or may not be answered at uh, at a they hearing. They may or may not be answered at that hearing, but but hearings are hearings. Again, I'm yeah. I'm I think an audit is necessary. I think this I've never in all of my time of covering government seen a government institution more in dire need of an audit. Now, you know, obviously Hillary Bronin is trying to get a you know a hearing to to find to to find some answers to these questions but you know what does an audit do that this hearing may not do everything uh, a hearing is a chance for people to go up and dissemble and uh, give non answers to questions and uh, or, or, <laughs> or, or 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 grandstand uh, an audit tells you exactly what your financials are exactly what your management practices are exactly what your work practices are this isn't just like getting audited by the IRS. They're not just looking for your receipts. They do that. Uh, they're also going to go through, and you know, the the uh, large-scale miscommunications, the uh, the interactions between uh, management and staff, and staff and patients. All of that is 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 deserving uh, of of the microscope at this point. Remember, this is 45 beds meant for permanent housing. Do you know how much it would cost? to build that kind of housing. And we have it and we're not using it. Right. So what's more is a specialty for people who are too mentally ill to take care of themselves, too mentally ill to clean up after themselves, too mentally ill to cook for themselves. Could you, you know? could you just, uh, I mean, there's, you know, for, I think it does get confusing for just anybody, even somebody who's covering it, even for somebody who's legislating for it. But, you know, you know, we're hearing the number 41 repurposed beds. Now we're hearing, you know, that there are 45 empty beds. We hear that one is at, you know, has a capacity of 55. What are these 45 beds? And, you know, could you just break down exactly what is, you know, essentially they would be folding adult residential facility on the ground floor into the residential care for the elderly on the second floor. So you would do away with the 41 beds you have on the ground floor and, and turn those into a temporary shelter. And then you'd move all the people who live there upstairs who are eligible and the people who are not eligible would get moved somewhere else. Right. There were 23 empty beds in the ground floor facility and 22 empty beds in the upper floor facility. So while they're just doing away with the ground floor beds for shelter, they were keeping beds empty in both facilities. And it's because, you know, they are um, they are uh, streamlining, essentially. But that's that's that might make sense in a real politic way right now. But the question is, why would you leave these beds empty? Why do you why do you have the ability to do something like this? Uh, What? led you to think that was acceptable right right again you know when i was a young journalist uh, there was a story about a none too bright colleague who was still in the office by the way uh at the hearst examiner and back in those days i've told you this story julian like we used to have tick- they used to have ticker tape coming in what like is what is ticker tape ticker tape is when you have a streamer that looks like a cvs receipt just coming in and giving you the news right wow and uh, at one point, you know, they came in and this fella, their, the ticker tape wasn't going. And they asked him, like, well, what happened? He says, well, I fell behind, so I turned it off. 
that's what's happened here. <laughs> uh, they fell behind, so they turned it off. I mean, the need kept going and, and only grew, but it, we're turning it off because we can't handle it. No, I, but so I, that, that's not acceptable. That's not acceptable. And, and for them to do it more or less in secret, you know, um, from from the elected officials of the city is 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 unacceptable. Well, I mean, maybe that perhaps, you know, explains it is that, you know, they it would have been a firestorm had they, you know, had they admitted that, you know, that they had turned off, turned off the tap. But they but the thing is, don't turn it off. Ask for help. Ask for help. Yeah. You, I mean, if, if the hiring issue was the issue, you say, we are having a crisis. We need, we need to expedite hiring. Well, that didn't happen. Um, you know, uh, the, the Board of Supervisors, among other institutions, can, can, can allocate money for you. They can go over hiring practices. They can find ways to help, right? But that didn't happen. Right. Nothing, nothing of that sort happened. And as I've said, I don't think that's the issue. I think that that's a red herring. So uh, then there was the subterfuge about, quote, unquote, on probation. And now they're claiming that staff is so out of control that they couldn't put new people in there out of a safety issue, which, again, is a management crisis. And you it's know, if it, yeah, if I you know, you don't see Bruce Bochy up there saying my team's so crappy that we can't win games. That right. shows a lack of leadership. By the way, Julian, if you were claiming you need to hire lots of people and then you go shit on your staff on the front page of the San Francisco Chronicle, is that a good recruitment tool? That doesn't strike <laughs> me as being very forward thinking. No, 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 it doesn't at all. All you right. Know, well, anybody, anybody yeah. who could possibly get another job would do so at this point, which leave, which, which which dilutes your talent force. <laughs> yes, yes. All right. Well, uh, let's take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back with uh, with uh, more uh, more talk on um, this mental health crisis. Uh, stay with us. Welcome back, uh, Joe. Are you, Joe? Are you there? I'm still there. Okay. Again, we are uh, here with Joe Eskenazi, the Mission Local Managing Editor and uh, Columnist, and um, we are talking about um, the uh, the empty uh, mental health permanent uh, beds at San Francisco General Hospitals. Uh, what what is the what is the full facility called? Uh, the Behavioral Health Center, which has three facilities within it. I see. I see. I see. Well, you know, Mission Local, you know, uh, uh, wrote a story about a um, um, about an old, um, a 78 year old man who, uh, currently is at, uh, or is, uh, has lived essentially on, uh, the 16th admission BART Plaza for, for decades. And, um, he was, uh, brought inside uh, or he was, uh, offered shelter and it took him, a, it took, um, the homeless department a great deal of effort to get him into an SRO, but it turned out that he was back on the streets, um, for doing the thing that he essentially loved best. He was evicted from the SRO for feeding pigeons. And, you know, he, a lot of his friends and family say that he was, uh, that he suffers from mental illness, um, that he um, is very used to living on the streets. But it sounds like to me, um, Joe, that, you know, one of these beds, you know, may have been perfect for, for um, a John um, Ratliff. I mean... 
In the abstract, yes. Uh, as you know, having met with him and having written that uh, very moving story, he's a very unique case, and I'm not sure about that. What? But, you know, there certainly we need to do something for him more than what we're doing right now, which is nothing. Right. <laughs> and, you know, uh, I, I would think this might, certainly a board and care facility might work for him. You know, these are people who are supposed to be well enough to get up and, and walk around on their own, you know, are not. Locked oh, really? In. Yeah, they, they're not locked in. Oftentimes they're expected to administer their own medications. Um, uh, it's 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 not an it's not an acute nursing facility. It's a board and care. You know, it's the city run version of something that you would expect maybe, to, you know, to people to have six beds within a residential neighborhood. So, I see. yes, it, it might work for him. But, you know, his his unique condition is, you know, has, has made him hard to place. And also he, you know, but when he was less unwell, that was less of a problem. Right. Right. Now, I mean, w the question though is, is that, you know, within our um, mental health system in, you know, in San Francisco within our, uh, you know, where, where did, you know, where do you think things did break down here? And I think, you know, where with, with John, yes. Uh, I think, you know, there, if this was a generation and a half ago, he would have been institutionalized mm. against his will. I see. Uh, and, you know, it was very easy to institutionalize people back then. You could, you could just have a few signatures from a uh, family member and people could get, you know, tossed into a facility. There have been uh, cases uh, argued that you can't do that anymore. And that's why uh, people are not people who you and I would say there's just it's a crisis for someone like this to be out on the streets. Uh, you're not you're not really taken off against your will until you present uh, a danger. Right, right, right. You know, so so even people ranting and raving on public transit, etc., they don't present a danger. You know, and it, on the one hand, it's good for the civil liberties. On the other hand, it, it hasn't it, it's worked out as you would expect it would. They're they're these are complicated cases, and so uh, instead of just taking someone and tossing them, you know, out of out of sight, out of mind, in some in some terrible facility, right. Uh, of the sort where a young Geraldo Rivera made his name by going in there and taking a video of the horrific conditions in the early 1970s. Right, right. In New York, in New York State, uh, you have just people having everyday crises, you know, out in public. Uh, for for Swan, you know, I don't think he's having a, a crisis. You know, he's he's never been a demonstrative sort. He keeps to himself, but he's 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 gonna die out on the streets if he's not helped. And I don't know exactly what can be done and I don't know what he wants to do well I mean it sounds like you know there are just very few um, options in San Francisco you know if it sounds almost as you know fr from a very as you say kind of a um, you know a, a philosophical standpoint or you know from perhaps a superficial standpoint you know one of these shelter beds at the adult residential facility would be would be you know great for a guy like Swan but it sounds like even this something that seems almost perfectly tailored housing that seems perfectly tailored for a person for a person like this may not be good for him and so you know what is i mean what do we do in this situation and you know obviously he was put in a place that was probably even less uh, suited for him, which is just a single, a single, a single room occupancy hotel on 16th Street. So, um, I, I just wonder, you know, um, where, you know, where, what we can do, because obviously there's a population, uh, you know, of of uh, of this type that's that's you know that exists on the streets and is growing. I mean, this is a difficult question because you know we do have a housing first uh, uh, approach, but we don't have the housing. 
Right. And then, uh, you know, uh, based upon other stories we've been reporting, um, you remember we wrote about all the fentanyl deaths. Well, yes. uh, the people who hand out the fentanyl said that most of the deaths uh, occurred in support of housing. Most of them. Right. So that means if you just sweep someone off the streets and give them a room, and those are the lucky few, but you don't provide them with any support, and then you insist that drug use is clandestine, it leads to an overdose-type situation, right? Right. So um, uh, it's complicated, you know? Uh, you do need to provide housing, but it's it's not enough just on its own. With with Swan, he, he has such special needs, you know? he If he doesn't get to feed those birds, I don't think he's going to be able to cope. Right. 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 Uh, I mean, as as you described it, his health is so dire that sooner or later uh, there may need to be some manner of intervention. But that doesn't sound like a very um, it's unfortunate that so many uh, of these situations are driven by crises. You know, go away and come back when it's horrible. Yes, exactly. You know, <laughs> you know I honestly don't know uh, what what would be the perfect situation for him. And uh the a situation that would have worked for almost every uh, homeless denizen did not work for him. And he had very influential and powerful people, you know, uh, helping him out and uh, and, you know, uh, expending political capital on his part. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the place where he was, as you wrote about, just wouldn't they apparently they tossed him out because he kept feeding the birds. <laughs> I mean, and, and this is, you know, this is the sad part is that, you know, he, this guy, you know, he's memorialized in Clarion Alley. He has, you know, friends and powerful people that are kind of looking out for him. There's a newspaper that writes about him from time to time. He is, you know, he has, but he is, you know, one of um, many people who I see around um, the mission, uh, probably the same age, who are just sitting there and, in, in the, you know, as we have said, you know, in the past, just es essentially waiting to waiting to perish. Yeah, it's 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 a very false kind of beneficence to allow people the independence to die right. like this. And right. you and I have discussed this with the elderly people, you know, taking uh, recycling out of the garbage cans. You know, I this is this is a tragedy you know people should not be having to do this into their ninth decade of life <laughs> yes yeah no no um so this is this is a very false kind of beneficence if that's what it is uh unfortunately in this case you know the the pendulum swung on this law about uh, about getting people committed off the streets and and that and that has you know gone the other way and whereas you know uh, in the 1970s you could get committed far too easily. Now it is an onerous process that I would say I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to say too hard, but certainly people who, you know, every iota of common sense indicates should not be left on their own are being left on their own. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Joe, um, I, I thank you for, for joining, uh, for joining me and for joining us uh, this morning. Um, every, for everybody else, I'm Julian Mark and, uh, you just heard from, uh, Joe Eskenazi. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye.
right on time, back by the beach. It's still gonna bring the heat. Yeah. Okay.